You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. As I was already prayed this evening, it's our privilege to have Brother Heath come and share uh, things that God's been working in his heart about. Uh, just a word of note to those that are here tonight. Um, in the bulletin, you'll notice that our Sunday night sermon, we were planning on starting a new series this week on the commitments of a healthy marriage, and so we'll start that next Sunday. So you have a preview of our outline for next week. We'll be talking about that and different commitments involved in marriage, and I think it's going to be a great series together, practical. Uh, and then my plan is to give you at the end of that um, those six commitments um, in a way that you can post in your home. And so we'll kind of be working through that in a teaching way, and then I'm going to have you hold each other accountable in that. So that's kind of the thrust of that series that will start next week through the early fall uh, weeks, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But uh, to preclude that or to push that back a week, Brother Studer and I have been talking for a number of weeks about what God's been stirring in him about and uh, that started as a conversation, and then we talked about him sharing a few, just a word of testimony in the service tonight. And then the more we talked, just I felt led to have him share um, where he has time to share his heart and what God's teaching him. And I think what's interesting about that, and it's good to have several folks here, friends of his, coworkers of his as well, I'm sure he'll acknowledge that in a moment, is uh, we have in our little church, we have three uh, folks in our church who have been battling some issues that have been prolonged consequences of covid and uh, we can debate till the cows come home, as we would say, all the merits and sides of that issue. But there have been folks who have been um, significantly impacted by it, and it still lingers to this evening. And um, I remember having a meeting with the three of them uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, I hate to ask this question, but what if it never leaves? What if this is, this is what your life is? And uh, Heath and I have talked at length about that. And I said, isn't it neat we can ask that question? And have courage in Christ that there's still grace for that. And I love that we have enough confidence in Christ that there's nothing um, that ultimately we're overwhelmed by. It is overwhelming, but we're not going to be overwhelmed by it. Uh, we're in Christ. And so that hope, I hope, will come through tonight as Brother Heath shares. And I hope that it will be encouragement too. So Brother Studer, if you'll come. Love you, brother. Appreciate you taking the time to share tonight. And uh, I know it's with mixed emotions you come, but we're praying for you, brother. And uh, trust God will use you tonight as you share what God's teaching you. All right. Love you, brother. Come Love on. you. Yep. As long as I don't cry, we're good. <laughs> Let's go to Lord in prayer. Reverend Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for the trials that bring glory to your name. Thank you, Lord, for each person here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit amongst us. Lord, we just pray you be glorified and honored in all that's said and done this evening. Lord, we just pray you'd knock on the hearts of those that don't know you. We pray, Lord, you would encourage the believers. Um, who are battling trials as well. Lord, we just give all glory to you. In your precious name, we praise you. Amen. 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 Due to short-term memory issues, I may have to like, keep my finger on my paper as we go along, but bear with me. Um, over the last nine months, I've seen that with COVID, anything is possible. Any symptom, anything, all of a sudden, it's something new. But with God, all things are possible. With COVID, anything is possible, and I've seen it. With God, all things are possible. That's what brings us here today. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the child. 
So I've wondered for nine months, is he going to calm the storm or is he going to calm the child? Sometimes he calms the storm, sometimes he calms the child. This morning I, I kind of put God to the challenge, foolishly speaking, because I was like, all right, I was already depleted of energy. This week I actually worked, I think, 40 hours for the first time since February. I didn't work. I sat there in a chair and rocked all day, but I at least got to work and made it home safely. Um, so I was exhausted, um, and I was taking some online courses uh, for a potential new career. So I was really exhausted, and I didn't sleep well last night because I was so excited about this opportunity. And I was like, Lord, thank you for the energy, but not at 1 in the morning. Um, so I was like, all right, I got to get to sleep. Woke up. And many of you know, I don't make it to two services on a Sunday because I had to pick and choose because of energy and fatigue. I was like, I'm going to try and go to two. That way, whatever I have left tonight is nothing in my physical tank. And all the energy you're going to see tonight is from God alone because I had nothing on my way here. Um, so this is God from here on out. Since I spoke last up here last November for First Responder Sunday, um, I told you God was good. I gave you reasons why God was good. Tonight, you're going to see I'm a little bit different because if my eyes water, it's seasonal allergies. It's not because I'm more emotional. So let's make that clear. That stays in this room. Everything else I tell you needs to leave this room. Okay? It's seasonal allergies. Number two, if I fall into some kind of a brain fog, some of you understand the brain fog, or a blank stare, kind of like this. There's three words that can usually get me out of that. Someone in the back row could just say all of a sudden, cheesecake, and I sprout up. Someone can suddenly say, strawberry jam uncrustable, and I'm jumping. That's my emotional go-to food. Uh, or someone could just simply say, coffee's done. So one of those three things, if I fall into a blank stare, throw it out. Um, but let's go. Let's see what the Lord has tonight. Everyone has a journey through wilderness at some point in their life. And I'm not talking one journey through wilderness. I'm talking time and time and time and time again. You're going to be in a wilderness. Many of us are in one right, right now. Everyone has a journey. I refer to this journey as wilderness with my two other teammates in this journey, who I'll mention later, but it's wilderness. A wilderness is something you're like, where's the end of this? You don't see the end to a wilderness when you're physically in it. But that's what my journey, that's how I refer to it as. How long is it going to last? Where's it headed? A wilderness I've defined as a trial in someone's life that lacks direction. A trial in someone's life that lacks clear direction, where you ask yourself, uh, where's God taking this? I've asked myself, where's God taking this? I know he's taking it somewhere, and I know it's good, because he's taking it, but where is he taking it? So I'm looking for that direction. Where's God taking this? Wilderness, a trial in one's life without clear meaning. What is God trying to say? What is he trying to accomplish? Just looking for some direction and meaning, Lord. Wilderness, a trial in someone's life without clear answers. Roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. We've seen that along the COVID struggle. 
or more pains added on in the midst of your wilderness. Here comes more. Man, when it rains, it pours. Here comes some more pain. Here comes more bad news. And it's not woe is me. We've all been in these kind of wilderness trials. I think worse, one of the worst things is a wilderness. A trial in one's life without clear meaning of the duration. How long is this going to last? I don't know. That's why they call us long haulers. Uh, who knows? But that's what the wilderness is. Lord, what are you trying to say? Where are you trying to take me? What's up with the next roadblock? That kind of hurt. More bad news? Okay. And how long is this going to last? Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. As God's children, we know, and the world needs to know, we are not immune from pain and trials. We're not immune from it. We're humans. We live on planet Earth in a sinful, dark world. But we have a different response to those trials. Those trials should bring about a response to bring God's glory, God glory. It should look a whole lot different than how the world responds to trials. We're not immune from anything at all. Many people in our church have seen pain and heartache. Death confronts all of us. We all face that. But we have life after death, so it's kind of encouraging whether COVID takes us sooner or not. Like, I've got better places to be, in all honesty. So I'm thinking, I was like, all right, what biblical story applies to COVID-19? COVID-19 is from 2019. Uh, the Bible's ancient, but still true and valid. So the book of, book of Genesis has a story of Joseph. One of the best stories in Scripture, in my own opinion. My own opinion doesn't matter, but it's a valuable story for a COVID journey, or a journey of anybody going through wilderness. So Genesis 37, if you want to turn there, Genesis 37, start in verse 23. We'll see in the story of Joseph how God takes away something good. God's taking away something good from one of a man, a man that loves him and fears him and obeys him. God takes away something good, throws him into a wilderness to prepare him for something better. And we'll see that as this roller coaster goes on with Joseph. Genesis 37, 23 to 28. Here's the backstory. Joseph is the youngest of his family. He's well-beloved by his father. I would say he's the father's favorite, and the, fam the brothers knew that. And because of that, they were enraged with jealousy. Uh, they didn't like it. And so they decided to set him up. They're plotting to potentially kill their brother out of jealousy. And so that's what brings us to this part here. So Joseph had something good going. Father's favorite, the beloved by the father. He was interpreting, he was interpreting dreams at the age of 17. He had a good thing going. God was on his side. But let's see what happens in verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content with that. They were content. Then were passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew up 
drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Pause right there. So he's beloved by his dad. He's got something good going in the family. And all of a sudden, he's in a pit. His own family. His own beloved betrayed him for silver. We saw that in the New Testament with someone that didn't deserve it. So now he's in a wilderness. I'm, I'm guessing at the age of 17, his brothers want to kill him. And now he's sold into slavery to a caravan of people going into Egypt at the age of 17. I would call that a wilderness. Um, I don't think he was smiling and excited about the opportunity. I would call it a wilderness. And I'm sure he asked, uh, Lord, this doesn't look good. A little nervous. Um, so there's his wilderness. Now here's how amazing God is. His brothers could have killed him. They were contemplating. They were conspiring to do so. They were eating bread. Like, all right, what should we do with him? He's down in the pit. Like, who wants to kill him? You know, we don't know the extent of that conversation. But if God didn't send that caravan of people at that time and place... He could have been dead. goes to show you how God is in control of even the smallest details. Here comes the caravan of people. What happens next? 39, 1 through 5. <clears throat> and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. He got sold once out of the pit, and now he's sold again. They probably made some money off the deal because you're not going to sell someone for cheaper and lose money. So he got sold again. Now he's in Potiphar's house. Here's what boggles my mind. It says in verse 2, And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. All right, sold into slavery. I'm not getting this. He's in the wilderness, but the Lord's still with him. This is a God-ordained wilderness. We're going to talk about three different wilderness adventures in a little bit. This is a God-ordained wilderness. He's refining his faith. He's setting him up for something so much better. God took away something good. He's now away from his family in a foreign land. Now he's a slave in someone's house, the captain of the guard. Lord, you took me away from my family. I'm only 17. I'd still call that a wilderness, but the Lord was with him. The Lord's got a perfect plan going on here. Joseph can't see it. We can see it now. Let's go to 39, 20 to 23. Here's where he had something good going. The Lord's prospering Potiphar's house. Things are going well. He's favored now. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife commits, accuses him of committing a crime. She wanted, she wanted to have physical relations with him. And he's like, no, I'm not dishonoring my God or the master of my house to do such a thing. So she set him up. And guess what? Verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. The Lord says to Joseph, hey, back to the wilderness you go. You had something good going in Potiphar's house? Right back to the wilderness. Don't worry, I got a reason for this. 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Here it is again, the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it. Keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. In the midst of the wilderness, God's still working. He's still working in our wilderness. But with Joseph, it's amazing. You see the roller coaster, takes away something good, back to the wilderness you go. But don't worry, I'm planning on something so much better. Potiphar's house, something good, he's doing well. Back to the wilderness you go. You're in prison for something you didn't do. What happens now? 41.14. Word got around that Joseph could actually interpret James and Pharaoh. Not Potiphar, but Pharaoh. Head of all Egypt. He's like, hey, I need someone to interpret this dream because I'm confused by it. Go get Joseph. Verse 14, then Joseph sent, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. God made it possible through his last wilderness to remove him from Potiphar's house so that he can now become acquainted with Pharaoh. Okay? Don't know why God does what he does sometimes, but God's still working here. He's still with Joseph. 41, 38 to 43. So now he's kind of like out of the wilderness. He's out of prison now. And he's, getting fa- he's, he's finding favor um, up in Pharaoh's palace now. 41, 38 to 43. <clears throat> and Pharaoh said, he interpreted the dreams now. So here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. He's out of the wilderness. Man, something good. Why is God doing all this? Well, 45, 1 through 9 is God's reason why he's doing all this. I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time because I know we're going to be here until at least 8.30. (laughs) His brothers who sold him into slavery realize there's a famine in the land and there is no food. They have to go into Egypt to find it. Who do they run into? Over 13 years later. 13 years. Joseph's in his foreign land for 13 years. That's a long, that's a long wilderness. 13 years. The brothers come in and he introduces himself. I'm your brother, sold into slavery. Remember me? Well, God put Joseph there for a reason. 13 years before that, God had his plan already in motion. Joseph, with the wisdom God gave him, set aside food in the storehouses in Egypt so his family could survive. God's plan took 13 plus years through this one journey with Joseph. But God was with him the whole time. It goes to show you, when you're going through trials and pain, it doesn't mean you're being punished. 
God wants you to cling to him. He wants to refine your faith. God's doing amazing things with Joseph, and now we see why. See, God taking away something good to plan for something so much better. Does he have something so much better for us as long haulers? <laughs> One day at a time. For me, he does. If I die from the struggles, I go to heaven. I have nothing to lose. If I stay here, I'm going to give God the glory for these struggles. So I'm going to make it worth my time now. Because I've wasted 41 years doing my own thing. That's page one. I got 20 pages left. <laughs> Everyone here has a wilderness at some point in life. So what exactly is a wilderness, kind of? A broken or tense marriage? A rebellious child? Loss of a job? Financial struggles? Poor health? Suddenly? Or just poor health? Loss of a loved one? There's all kinds of struggles out there, all kinds of wildernesses. Or some of us, it's kind of like we're just waiting patiently for God, so we're in a holding pattern. Like, Lord, I need an answer. I would like an answer. I know, I know you don't work like a microwave. Things take time with you. But there's so many different wildernesses that come to our mind. There's three reasons why you might be in a wilderness. One is the direct result of your sin. If you want to engage in addictions and idolatry, you'll reap the consequences. If you don't fear the Lord and what you do, you'll reap the consequences. But there's a consequence for drinking and driving and crashing your car and getting injured. That's the direct consequence of your action. Your wilderness may be you got paralyzed from your crash. You, you chose that wilderness. Okay, I got good news for you if you're in that wilderness. I'm turning to Psalm 103, and I'm going to show you, because we've all been in that wilderness. We've all done something that brings that wilderness upon ourselves. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. But the mercy of the Lord, in verse 17, is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. So if you're in the boat, you're in the wilderness of you created the wilderness for yourself because of your own action, guess what? There's good news. You can do nothing that goes beyond the extent of God's mercy and love. Guaranteed. Why? Because I've done it. I've made plenty of foolish decisions. And I'm not telling you about them all. And you're not going to get them on a CVSA. But there's nothing you can do, no matter how bad you've wrecked your life, you can't go beyond the extent of God's mercy and love. Number two, there's a result of being in the wilderness because we live in a fallen, sinful world. Your loved one dies. You're driving in a car, and the drunk person hits you, and you're injured. We live in a fallen, sinful world. There's good news for you. Nahum 1.7, one of my favorite passages of all time that I've used in the darkest of days. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. You live in a dark, sinful, cursed world, full of darkness, depression, 
all kinds of bad news. God is a refuge and a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. So that verse would be for you. I've used that one many times. Number three, this is why I hope that I'm in this trial of COVID recovery. God ordains a trial to refine your faith, to make you more dependent upon him, to make you cling to him. God ordained the trial for Joseph. It doesn't mention that he called it upon himself by doing anything foolish or sinful. God ordained that trial to mold him into the clay pot that he wanted him to be. So God ordains a trial. I like to think that I've been telling my two COVID friends here, Becca and Katie, they said I could use their name, that I like to think that God chose us because we're dependable to carry out a mission that we don't really know what it is yet, but I like to think that he depends upon us to fulfill a mission that he's going to call us to do. Andrew and Mandy, Dan and Katie, he chose us because we're dependable. There's a threefold purpose for every trial. You've heard me say this in small groups a lot. Nothing happens to me unless it goes through God first. Nothing happens to me unless it goes through God first. There's nothing more comforting than to know whatever happens to me goes through him first. Why is that comforting? Because if it goes through him first, he is aware of every detail along the way. Every detail. And he also sees every tear that falls from your face. Threefold purpose for every trial. Number one, the trial is meant to be an embrace from God, a big old squeeze hug from God. Because he wants you to be, he wants you to draw nigh to him. He wants you to depend upon him. If we live independently of God, life is a disastrous wreck. Turn on the news and you'll see it. I was driving home this past week, and it's usually emotional when I drive because it doesn't go so well. I was like, you know what? I was like, I think God at this point is just trying to hug me and just say, wait, be patient, persist, persevere, but just wait. I think he's just hugging me. It's like, if I miss something and I'm supposed to repent, let me know, Lord. I was like, otherwise, I'll just take the hug. So God wants you to draw nigh to him. Number two. He wants you to conform to the image of his son, Jesus. Through the trials in the wilderness, he wants you to be more like his son. He who claims to live in him must walk even as he walked. Number three, he wants you to reflect back the glory that's due him. That trial is meant to reflect God's glory. No matter how hard it hurts, no matter what it is, God can get glory from it if you respond to it the right way. <clears throat> I could tell you this, though. There are many, many, many times where I did not reflect the glory of God with how I responded to this COVID struggle over the last nine months. I fell way short of what he wanted, what he called me to do, and it's been tough. Um, but he's merciful. And I've learned to understand this. 
In the book of James, it tells us to persevere and find joy in the midst of your trials. So encouraging. If you ever come up to me in my face and tell me that right now, I won't talk to you for a while. Like, I get it. But I'm going to throw this in there now. Not adding to the scripture, but take advantage of the trial. So it's not really what COVID has done to me. It's what COVID has done for me. I'm not the victim anymore. COVID is now doing something to me that God's going to use. I may lose a job I love, but God's got something better. That's why he chose me for this. Okay? So it's not simply finding joy and persevering in the midst of your wilderness. Take advantage of it. Why do you want to take advantage of it? Because the world's watching you and how you respond. Take advantage of it. We live in a thirsty world, a world thirsting for hope. They are so thirsty like I've never seen before. They are looking for just an answer. We have the answers. So always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. I remember my Sunday school teacher back when I was like 20 or so. Paul is a long-term memory thing, kind of works still. He asked, he's like, if you were, say, an athlete and you lost both your legs in a car accident tomorrow, what would you have left? Right? If you lost everything you cherished, like Job, what would you have left? What would you have left? The correct answer, I've been taking real estate courses lately, and I'm not choosing a lot of the correct answers, um, so I keep having to take the quizzes over and over again until I get it right. But the correct answer is, it should just be you and him. You and him. That's it. You were created to serve him, glorify him, and praise him. That's it. If you lost everything you cherished, what would you have left? Now I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty. The lamenting. Here's the woe is me, the selfish human being that I am. The woe is me over the last nine months. These are just some of the things that I've contemplated or cried about and whined about. And woe is me. Pastor was talking about the woe is me this morning. It's good short-term memory there, Pastor. I did pay attention. I was not sleeping back there. Um, but I've asked myself these kind of things over nine months. My Lord, I'm fine with you choosing me for this battle. I will never cry to the Lord and say, why me? Why? Because if I believe God chose, if everything goes through God first before it gets to me, then I don't need to whine and complain about why me? I chose you. But... Lord, one of the funniest questions I've had is, why me? If I'm being punished, I need to repent. If I'm missing something big, I need to just search my heart. Lord, search my heart and show me. But why put me in, an, in a group with Katie and Becca, right? Two of the most humble women in the church. Why put me as the only guy in an all-girls group <laughs> is my first question. Can I just get a teammate that's a guy? But it's been a unique, exciting, encouraging experience to at least have teammates. Because I can't do this without teammates. 
But God put me in all women's group for a reason. I have no idea why. I've cried a lot more, maybe. I don't know. It's rubbing off on me. If I had the power, if I was God and I had the power, I would not have chosen this for myself. I would not have chosen this wilderness for myself. But I'm not God. And he's got a reason why he chose me. I couldn't have avoided it. Before I was born, he knew I was going to be dealing with this. Before I was born, he knew what I was going to be doing tomorrow if it comes. So I have no reason to complain about it. But here's what I've learned. If I had the power, I wouldn't have chosen this. What other wilderness would I like to choose from? I don't, not really. Because I've seen that everyone else, there are many people that have a wilderness that is worse than yours. So when you fall into the what was me category, like I have, someone else always has a worse journey through the wilderness. I would not want to be the family in Ohio that just lost three adult sons in their 30s in a manure pit this past week. Can you imagine being the parents or the spouses? Someone's wilderness is always worse than yours. I can still walk up on stage. I can still get out of bed on days I don't call off. Sorry, Chief. Someone's wilderness is always worse than yours. Many people you see as you go about your day, if you can get your mind and eyes off of yourself, many people you encounter are going through a wilderness. Why is road rage so prevalent now? Because people are on edge. Why are they on edge? They're in a wilderness. They have no hope. They have no eternal hope. People are on edge. So when you run across the cashier, if you find a cashier anymore, if you're not doing self-checkout, um, you may be encountering a soul venturing through a wilderness that doesn't have the hope or the answers necessary to find out why they're in that wilderness. You know what the world does if they can't deal with the wilderness? They go to the bar. They do all kinds of things to try and ease the pain. We have the answers. Someone always has the worst wilderness, and many people you see are in the wilderness. Here's what I'm actually going to ask you to do. I know it's very awkward for a Baptist church. If you are currently in a wilderness of some kind, I'm actually going to ask you to stand up. If you can't stand up out of your seat because this is too embarrassing, then you probably can't proclaim the name of Christ when you need to in public. If you're going through a wilderness right now, go ahead and stand up so people can see who is going through a wilderness of some kind. If you can physically stand up, do it. This is a judgment-free zone. Judgment-free zone. And I will tell the people sitting down, look at the people standing up. Don't try and speculate, hmm, I wonder what they're going through. There's your prayer list right there. See it? Everyone standing up should be on your prayer list now. You may not know their name, but you know their face. And everyone standing up, look at all those standing up. Be like, someone's wilderness in here is probably worse than mine. Right? Thanks for standing up. You can have a seat now. It's exhausting just looking at y'all standing up. We in this room are not immune from a wilderness journey. We just saw that. And I'm sure there are many more that didn't want to stand up. And that's okay. I'm not going to belittle you. 
I used to be really super shy, and I still am. But you saw your new prayer list for the week stand up. Don't try and figure out what they're going through. Just pray for them. Lord, I was in the prime of my life when I got COVID last November. I was 41 years old. I still thought, in my foolish pride, I was a beast. Lord, a month before that, I was using a jackhammer, busting up concrete, trying to finish our end. And Lord, now I use the handrail to get up steps at work. And when I get up the steps, I usually sit down at my desk and tear up because it's so hard to get up the steps. And I got nice coworkers upstairs like, how you doing, Studer? How you doing, Heath? Or they hear me breathing real hard. Like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, it just brings tears to my eyes. Because I used to be playing with all kinds of, you know, I used to go into the store and throw a bag of concrete on about 80 pounds right here. <laughs> Drop it in the cart. Now, no. Can't lift up Jonah up to here. And he's 42 pounds. I was in the prime of my life, Lord. Will I ever get it back? I don't know. Lord, if this is my new baseline and quality of life for the remainder of my days, then I quit. If this is my new quality of life, then I just quit. And I was thinking, I was like, in my selfishness, if Johnny Erickson Tata would have said that when she became a paraplegic after a swimming accident, thousands of people would not be impacted for the kingdom of God. If David Ring with cerebral palsy would have said the same thing, I quit. I got cerebral palsy. What can I do for the Lord? Thousands of people. He's one of my favorites. If Tim Lee, who lost his legs in Vietnam, would have said, I quit. If this is my new quality of life in a wheelchair, I quit. Brother Kurt would not be here, potentially, in the kingdom of God. He wouldn't have his amazing wife and family if Tim Lee would have said, I quit. So why am I going to quit? I can still walk. I can still talk. But that's the woe is me, lamentations part of things. What about this? Hey, Lord, and this one hurts the most, I mean, one of them. I'm about to lose a job that I absolutely love. I thought I was a good police officer. I tried to be. I'm about to lose a job I absolutely love. Because I love doing everything. I, it's just cool. It's fun. It's exciting. You get to deal with people that need help. I got the best coworkers in the world. I work for the best city on the planet. I'm about to lose that job, Lord. And I spent $80,000 in college debt to get it. And I still owe on that debt, Lord. So what are you going to do? I'm about to lose my job. I filed for disability at the age of 41. Page 2 of 500. Hey, Lord, in my selfish thinking, I've used almost 
$20,000 worth of sick time this year that I could have had a retirement. Woe is me, Mr. Whiny Pants. Hey, Lord, here's the current one. There's a lot of employers trying to find employees right now, if you haven't noticed that. And I'm getting phone calls. People, they would like to hire me, and it's encouraging to hear. But one of my first questions is, what kind of driving is involved? I'm a police officer. I used to drive around for eight hours a day, because I never wanted to be at City Hall around admin and stuff. But now I can't drive more than 15 minutes without going into a blank stare and a deep fog that's so dangerous I shouldn't be on the road. About to put myself in for a retest here one day. So that's one of my first questions. Lord, I can't even drive. I turned on a job right across, right there, at Anazal. It's like, what kind, of, what kind of job description is it? You got to drive to the client's houses throughout Wayne County. It's like, okay, can't do it, I'm sorry. Or my physical limitations. I love manual labor. If I'm not working my hands, then I'm lazy. Get up out of your seat and do something. I can't work with my hands. I can't get up a ladder. I'm too dizzy doing so. I'm severely limited in my prime. And many of you don't, nobody knows this, but I have a coworker that teases me because my eyes are usually watery. It's the allergy thing. And they're like bloodshot a lot of times. And that's really not allergies. But on my way into work and on my way home from work, I'm usually crying in my car as I'm driving because it's so hard to drive. I'm a 41-year-old police officer. Woe is me. I just got to find a closer job, right? The Lord, the Lord's my real estate agent. The Lord's my job agent. The Lord's my uh, doctor. The Lord is my counselor. The Lord is everything I need him to be, so he'll figure that out. I don't need to worry about it. He'll figure it out. He knew what I was going to be doing tomorrow before I was born, so I'm not really worried about it. Hey, Lord, I used to have one advantage over my chief. I used to have a photographic memory he used to tease me about. Now, I have to actually refer to my notes up here because I can't photograph it. I don't know who's wearing what. I used to have a creepy photographic memory, but I don't have it anymore. I don't have a short-term memory that functions well at all. That's why I'm failing these exams online that I keep retaking. Um, But that's the way it is. So what's left of me, Lord? Hey, Lord, when I go into Walmart on my lunch break just to move around and walk around because I can't really feel my legs a lot, I walk in there in such a fog that I'm like, what am I doing? And I look like a lot of the other people in the store, but like, <laughs> like Lord, what am I doing? Like, I'll just walk around and push a cart. Lord, my hands tremor when I bring them up to the height of my armpits. When I raise my hands, I've tried to lift up Jonah or just raise my hands to drink water. That's why I don't want to drink my water in front of you guys. My hands tremor. Lord, will I ever be able to shoot a gun again? I'm a police officer. I've got to qualify. Lord, I'm losing everything. 
Woe is me. Hey, Lord, my wife is now talking about if I have to go find a job, honey, I'll go get one. You can homeschool. Please don't make me homeschool. (laughs) Please. Please don't make me homeschool. If we do, we're getting up at 6 a.m. and we're getting done by 10 a.m. and we're going to have fun the rest of the day. Please don't make me homeschool. Thank you for homeschooling them, love. I don't want my wife to find a job to support me because I can't function. Woe is me. What value am I, Lord? You know what? If I don't have manual labor skills and ability to drive and I'm left with pretty much nothing, so I think, I remember when God called Moses. Moses tried to use an excuse. Lord, I, I got a speech impediment. I can't, I can't do what you're asking. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. God will give me whatever I need for whatever purpose. And I know he will. Hey, Lord, uh, I'm sure you're fully aware of what the Postal service just put in my mailbox. It's another bill from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, I hate opening those things because you don't know what number is going to pop out at you and shock you. But yeah, I just sometimes I just throw them in the corner and pile them up. Like I got 90 days before they really get aggressive. So like whatever. <laughs> hey Lord, one of the worst. I hate, and I hate, I hate sin. But I hate missing church, and I hate missing small group. If there's anything that's going to make me cry, it's because I can't make the church in small group. These allergies are killing me. Don't do it. I love my church, and I love my small group. There is a valuable benefit in being a part of a church like this in a small group of people that love you And just so you know, Chief, my attendance at church is just as bad as my attendance at work. (laughs) No lie. My pastor can vouch for me. I am consistently unpredictable. So it's not like, hey, Studer's always at church, but he's never at work. No, I'm just absent. My wife can drive me here, and I'm still missing half the time. So it's not always driving. Hey, Lord, my body feels like I'm knocking on death's door at any moment. I felt like that last week. I felt like that many, many times. I, was like, I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack because my heart is beating out of my chest and racing, going up one flight of steps. Lord, the migraine is so bad, my vision is blurry. Lord, I feel like I'm having a stroke because I can't find words. I'm just popping aspirin. Lord, I'm knocking on death's door at 41. I'm a walking pharmacy now. What are you doing? What are you doing? Lord, I remember in my pride, as I'm renovating the inn, and many years ago as well, going into Home Depot or Lowe's, now it's Lowe's or Menard's, Picking up heavy stuff, throwing it on my cart, like, yeah, mm-hmm, y'all see that? And now I'm in waiting rooms and medical appointments with 80-year-olds. That's humbling. Because they look at me when I walk in, they're like, what's he in here for? 
Yep, don't ask. It's humbling. I needed that pride adjustment anyways. Hey, Lord, I used to be mentally tough and unstoppable. I used to be a workaholic. I used to be a diehard, just love work. I love manual labor. I used to be on mentally tough. Some people are like, you should be able to push through the fatigue. No, I can't. It's legit. I'm still, I thought I was mentally tough. No. The Lord's cleaning my slate for something better. Hey, Lord, best question of all, how long is this going to last? Doctors have no idea. The Cleveland Clinic has no idea. No one on planet Earth has any idea. How long is this going to last, Lord? Lord, am I missing something here? Are you trying to tell me something I'm just not getting? Tell me somehow. Sometimes I look in the sky for writing, but it's not there. Because I know it's possible, but he doesn't really communicate that way. Um, yeah, those are questions I've asked myself and many, many more over nine months. But let's look at taking what COVID has done to me and see what COVID has done for me or whatever wilderness you're in. Here's how God has shown himself along the journey. And with my short-term memory, I couldn't think. I know there's a whole bunch, but I didn't want to be here till midnight because I'm not going to stand up here that long. I'm going to try and go into work tomorrow. Matthew 6, 8. Your heavenly Father, your Father knoweth what you have need of before you ask him. Doesn't matter what it is. Bible, Bible doesn't say, under these guidelines, you're going to ask, and he knows. No, he knows what you need before you even ask him. I can tell you this. When I told pastor, I was like, I would like to share a testimony just about what God's doing. I think the church needs to hear more testimonies um, to be encouraged. I was like, like, Lord, I was like, he's the pastor. He, like, he makes the decisions, and I'm cool with that. Everywhere I go, somebody's telling me something that I have to do because they have authority over me. My wife at home, my pastor at church, <laughs> my, my chief at work, everywhere I go, unless I'm in my car, someone's telling me what I have to do. But Lord, there's that brain fog thing. Someone yelled cheesecake. Anyways. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what I was talking about. My coworkers laugh at me all the time because I lose track. I prayed this past week. I was like, you know what? Pastor said, hey, you get, you can get, I can give you like 15 minutes, you know, if you want to get up there. I was like, like 15 minutes sounds good, kind of, because like, I don't think I could stand and talk that long without losing track. Um, I was like, you know what? Hey, Lord, I know you're good. I'm going to ask this, and I'm not going to ask pastor. Like, Lord, I like the whole, the whole service. And I want to actually challenge you, Lord, I'm going to deplete my energy, and you can give it to me. And so pastor actually texted me. He said, hey, give me a call. I was like, oh, man, this is not good. <laughs> and he came out with the idea about me being up here longer than 15 minutes. I was like, God is good. And it's not for my glory. I have nothing to glorify. I have nothing to brag about anymore. The Lord stripped me clean, and I needed it. But God is good. Even in the little stuff, he knows what you need before you ask him. He's waiting for you to ask him. And pride gets in the way. 
So many times I need to ask him or just bring glory to his name or glorify him in prayer and song, but I'm still full of pride. Here's some things I learned along the way. I told you guys how good God was last year in November when I stood up here on First Responder Sunday. I gave you three examples. Long-term memory, I can still use it. One, when I needed encouragement, a friend of mine from church texted me, said, I'm praying for you, man. I was like, what do you need? I was like, need encouragement. Because back then, jails weren't taking anybody and, you know, kind of discouraged. And I get a text message from a coworker wanting to know more about church. I was like, all right, that's the encouragement I wanted. And it came within hours of that prayer request. Another thing, we had an incident in our department in November. A couple of days after First Responder Sunday that year. It was a fatal shooting in our parking lot. Glory to God for me because I was on duty that night, and he tells me in a very clear voice from my sergeant, if I were you, I would leave. I was supposed to go to South Carolina the next day. God said numerous times, I think three times through my sergeant, if I were you, I would leave. Because I was like, hey, I'd like to start my journey early tomorrow, and I know I might get held over, because that's how things go in law enforcement. I'm going to get held over, because I got vacation tomorrow. If I were you, I would leave. I left about 20 minutes later. The situation unfolded in the parking lot where I parked my car. God is good to me. A small thing, but an amazing thing. I was finishing the roof on the front porch of the inn, and I told you about it last year. The farmer next door needed rain. This was the only day I could put on the roof all by myself. That's when I used to be able to carry a pack of shingles, a bundle of shingles. Now I can't. But it started pouring rain when I got the tar paper on and the drip edge on. I was like, oh, this isn't good. I rented the nail gun. I got to get it done today. I went inside, sat down in the chair in the kitchen. I was like, Lord, the neighbor next door wants rain. I don't want the rain because I got this project to finish. The world doesn't revolve around me, but show me your glory. It stopped raining. The sun came out so hot. I forgot to ask the Lord, please don't make the sun intense today. <laughs> but it dried the tar paper off, and I got that roof on, and I was putting on the flashing at the final step in this process, and the clouds were so dark, and the winter, the, not winter, uh, thunderstorm warnings were going off in Medina County, southern Medina County, and it was dark. And this is down in Wayne County. Got it all done. And it rained so hard as soon as I was done coming off that ladder. It was rained so hard, I didn't even want to go to my car. I wanted to stay in the house and not come out. He answered my prayer. He answered the neighbor's prayer. That's how good God is. What has he shown me in the last nine months? He's shown me I have an absolutely amazing wife. A committed wife. Many spouses of the world were probably given up a long time ago when dad can't get up out of bed. Dad can't play with the kids. He has no energy. Dad's kind of like useless right now. I have an amazing wife. I have amazing friends here at church and a wife, amazing parents who moved right down the street right before I got COVID. Great babysitters, 
It's just one of the perks. I have great friends and family who have driven me to appointments. Who would have thought a police officer at the age of 41 would need someone to drive him to appointments? Kind of embarrassing. Have your wife drive you everywhere. Kind of nerve-wracking, too, but... I've had amazing friends visit me at home in the hardest of times. The darkest of days. The value of having church friends and family. I got to tell you this. The timing of COVID. I had finished, I had just finished within the week, the major renovations of the inn. And it took about a year to do. And I had finished the major the major pieces and parts that week. And I got COVID. I was like, man, God timed this perfect. And I had to do some finishing touches on the landscape and stuff, and I had no energy. Some of my friends here from church came and helped me, finished the final touches. When I was trying to recover, I've had friends come and put in the sign, all kinds of help, so thank you guys. God's shown me he's taking care of even the littlest details. Glory to God, the first month we opened the inn in March for reservations, he, he's my booking agent. He does a really good job, but he tests me because he's like, you're going to get a booking at the appropriate time, so you trust me. So the first month he gives us enough reservations to cover the mortgage for the whole year. Not the other fixed and variable expenses, but the mortgage. It's like, and so from that point on, he's taking us step by step. You got to trust me. You got to trust me. Here's another reservation. You got to trust me. He's not dumping boatloads in our lap. I don't want that because I won't be able. To, I won't trust him if that's the case. God is good, even in the smallest of things. The medical bills. Not everything's covered by insurance. I haven't bought certain things. Uh, supplements because they get way too expensive. But we had uh, a friend of ours that wanted to pay the deductible for the year. God is good. All along the way, God's saying, I have that detail covered. Nothing happens to you unless it goes through me first. So I have the deductible covered. I have the end covered. I've got everything taken care of. Just go along with me. The FOP at my workplace. I didn't ask them for help financially. They provided help. And you know when they provided it? In God's time. When I needed to pay some things right off the bat to continue with medical care. God can use any source he wants to fulfill his purpose. So thank you to my friends and family at the police department. I've had so many conversations over the last nine months, not knowing if God's going to take me. As I see emails from officers dying nationwide of COVID complications at young ages, I was like, am I next? That's fine. I go to heaven. I'm fine. But, Lord, it's changed my perspective if my days are, our days are all numbered, don't forget that, please. Even if you're in your prime, you could lose your prime real quick. Thanks, COVID. 
Job has done it for me, not to me. But it's changed my conversations. I was like, you know what? I don't care who you are or what position you hold. I'm going to tell you the good news. I'm not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. My coworkers know I won't beat you over the head with the Bible. If you ask a direct question, I'll give you a direct answer. But I want you to see what God looks like, what Christ looks like through my conduct. And I want you to thirst what I have. God has given me amazing conversations over nine months of an eternal value. One of the best things God has shown me is the two teammates I have in this wilderness, Becca and Katie. It still boggles my mind. I'm in an all-ladies group. But God chose them. I don't know why. He chose us three. Your purpose may be completely different than mine. Yours is completely different than mine. But he chose us three. We're dependable, I like to think. Each of us has a mission regardless. Reference our COVID club. We call it the COVID club. I keep telling everybody, we're always taking new members. The membership fee is simply your annual deductible. So all new members are allowed to join. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Is the Lord trying to, there's millions of people that are going to become long haulers. They're going to be out of the workforce indefinitely. And maybe he's providing me a way to reach something we all have in common. I was like, maybe I could start like a church called COVID Baptist Church. The problem is, as I told Pastor and my wife, attendance would be horrific. <laughs> horrific. It may just be a live stream only at like 11 in the morning. Not too early, but not before the afternoon crash. <laughs> kind of like 11 o'clock. COVID Baptist Church. Yeah, attendance is bad. It's bad. <clears throat> I, I angrily referred to Becca this morning as the teacher's pet because her attendance is a whole lot better. Um, but God loves us all. And I got to tell you this. I was at an appointment August 5th. I'm getting tired, Lord. Give me some energy. August 5th, I was at an appointment. My dad took me. It was too early in the morning, so my dad took me. How humbling is that to ask your dad to take you to an appointment to a urologist because of COVID complications? When when you walk in the office, one guy's got a bag, one guy's got a walker, one guy's in a wheelchair, and here I walk in, and they're like, what's wrong with you? So I walk in. And stop that story right there, because we got to go back a couple months. I filed my taxes like I always do, on time, every year, back in March. The IRS was backlogged significantly. And in my foolish way of thinking, I was like, Lord, could you use that tax refund for some things right now? You know what? The refund 
didn't come within the 21 days. I kept checking, like, Lord, all right, you know what we need before we ask. All right, Lord, all right, now it's 60 days. I was like, all right, IRS is backlogged. It's a federal agency. They're only so efficient. All right, Lord. And that was back in March. Time's going on and on. I was like, Lord, medical bills are piling up. You're, you're covering everything we need, though. So I shouldn't have any reason to worry. I've seen what amazing thing he's done in 41 years, although I don't deserve it. Lord, all right. I had a heart-to-heart with the Lord. I said, Lord, here's what I ask. I ask in faith that you provide us the refund at a time that can glorify you. So keep that in mind. I filed my taxes in March. It's now August 5th. I'm at the urologist's office for a procedure. My dad dropped me off. He went down the street because it was going to be an hour and a half procedure. And in the midst of the procedure, they ran into a problem of blockage that caused extreme pain that they weren't planning on. And because I've had a lot of autonomic nervous issues, my blood pressure dropped to super low levels, and I lost consciousness. And all I remember was saying was, I'm losing my eyes. And so then I woke up, and some lady was standing over top of me, hit me in the face. She's like, Heath, Heath. I was like, what's going on? Um, so anyways, make a long story short so we can get out of here by 830. Is it really 643? I'll speed it up, Pastor. I'm sorry. She's like, we need to call the squad. Okay. Your pulse is like 30-something. So they call the squad. I was like, I don't, I don't want the squad. I don't want another medical bill. At the time I said that, my phone goes off. I set my alerts for any banking information to come off to not come in until 9 a.m., all right, that text goes off at 9 a.m. I thought it was my dad just checking on me or something. But no, as soon as I said, I don't want another medical bill, my phone goes off. I'm like, cool, someone's texting me. I got a friend out there. It's kind of nice. The squad picks me up. I'm not really coherent at the moment. Go to the Akron General ER. I was like, I got to try and text my wife or call my wife. And I saw what the text message was. Confirmation that the tax refund was deposited into the bank. At the moment I said, I don't want another medical bill. I asked God to do it when it would glorify him most, and he did. It's not about the money. It's about this. God is in control of every detail in your wilderness. Every detail. He sent the caravan of people when Joseph was in the pit at the right time, the right place, so his brothers decided not to kill him. Let's just sell him. God knows what he's doing. I'll hurry, Pastor. I'm actually on the last page. I thought I had 500 here. Great is thy faithfulness. His faithfulness. I don't deserve his faithfulness. I'm a wicked, wretched sinner, full of pride, full of pride. 
He's faithful to me. This world has a lot of trials and pain. The only scars in heaven, remind, I need to remind you, the only scars in heaven will not belong to you. Got it? Revelations 21.4. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. For those of you who have eternal salvation guaranteed, the only scars in heaven will not belong to you. They're going to be on the hands of your Savior. We're going to have a good old time. What I've learned along the way, God is faithful. He sees every tear that falls. I'll read this, Pastor. I'll be done before midnight, I promise. 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He hears me. He knows what I'm going through. I was at my desk this past week, looking out the window with my head down, crying my eyes out. And I could see the tears drip, drip, drip on the desk. As I look outside, like he sees every tear that falls from my face. That's why my eyes are so bloodshot and watery throughout the day. I cry a whole lot more. I don't know why. He sees every tear. What I've learned, my pride. Pride is the biggest obstacle to actually acknowledging you need Jesus. Pride. I still have an issue with pride. I've had it since the day I was born. The Lord taught me something when I went to the University of Georgia. My pride, it comes, comes back. But Lord, I'm in my prime. It's like, I'm going to make it through my 40s with a strong back. And No. Pride. My patience. I've never prayed for patience. Never will. <laughs> I just pray for direction and meaning and guidance. Uh, but now he's kind of like, you should have prayed for patience. Um, so yeah, the Lord's taught me patience. Being a long hauler, I don't know how long it's going to be. The Lord has taught me the value of a church family. Man, I don't know. There's words that can't describe the value of a church family. So thank you, church. You guys are amazing people. God is good through his church. The wilderness is not meant to be traveled alone. That's why I had you stand. So your other church members can see who's going through wilderness. You're not meant to travel that wilderness alone. As a church, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. The value of a small group. If you're not signed up, get signed up. Confidence in God. There's no hope in mankind. They have no, they have no idea how to cure this thing. And if they do, they're not telling us. But confidence in God. I could wake up tomorrow morning and be back to my normal self. Some of you may think, oh, that's not good. I didn't like the old Heath. He talked too much. Now I don't talk a lot. I'm just quiet. But I needed that because that was my pride. Confidence in God. He knows exactly what he's doing. Sometimes you just need to laugh at yourself in this struggle. It's been fun. I went to the a vascular surgery office last week for my legs since I can't feel them half the time and the lady calls me from way off yonder because you go up the steps and they're like vascular surgery this way vascular surgery that way I was like whatever I'll just go over here I picked the wrong way 50% chance that's the way this year's gone I picked the wrong way so she yells Heath all the way down there I go down there and she has a door open that says OBGYN I was like 
There's only one doctor I haven't seen, <laughs> and it's this one. Why? Why? I cry more. I cry more. But this door is not for me. I, says, I said, what name did you call? She's like, Heath. Do you realize, yeah, they only had one office in the building for this procedure. It's down this hall. All right. I was the only man in the hall. But you just got to laugh at yourself. I'm like, when my kids are loud, it hurts super bad because my ears are super sensitive. At the table, I'm like, stop. You guys are, stop. I'm like, my ears are ringing. And Jonah goes, well, just answer it, Dad. So he goes, he goes, hello, hello, just answer it, Dad. It's like, so you just got to laugh. There's been a lot of laughing moments, a lot of fun moments. Um, I went to an office, and they put me in an office with a bed that just had stirrups. It was another OBGYN office. And so I took a picture of it and sent it to my teammates. I was like, look where I'm at. Yeah, what I've learned, Brother Kurt asked me once, he's like, what would it have taken for God to get you out of law enforcement as much as you love it? A two-by-four upside the head. Because I love law enforcement. It's a ministry. It's a calling. I got the two-by-four. I'm glad I got it last November before they went up to eight bucks a piece. (laughs) But I got the two-by-four. What's God trying to do with the two-by-four? I have no idea. It hurts, but there's light at the end of this tunnel. What I've learned is to hug my kids. I should have known that as a police officer. Better be hugging your kids. You're not guaranteed to make it down the road driving as a normal citizen, let alone a police officer. Hug your kids. I'm trying to be a better husband, too. I promise, love. With God, all things are possible. With COVID, anything is possible. Any symptoms possible. With God, all things are possible. Rest assured, I want to leave you with this now that it's almost midnight. I want to say thank you to my church family for bringing me T-bone steak, for bringing me Uncrustables, for bringing me all kinds of stuff, pies and cheesecake, coffees, Thank you for the smallest of things, the phone calls, the visits. You guys are amazing. Thank you to Becca and Katie. God's got something good for us. He picked us. It's not just an accident. He picked us. Thank you to our spouses, Nick, Nate, and my wife. He picked us for a mission. Maybe a different mission for all three of us. But he picked us. You guys are amazing. Our families could not function without our spouses right now as long haulers. It'd be a dreaded scenario. I can't imagine going through a long haul struggle without a church, without Christ. I told Pastor months ago when I met, Lord, I'm about to just quit. And I told him what I meant. I'm about to quit. Because I couldn't perform full sentences. I lost a lot of my big vocabulary. I couldn't read across a page. I couldn't read the songs at church. 
at the speed I was supposed to sing them, I was about to quit. I didn't. I knew better. But I was just at the bottom of a pit. God is good. God is good. Do I feel miserable most days? Yeah. But God is good. Someone's wilderness is a whole lot worse than mine. God's ultimate purpose, if one soul, one soul, realizes how important God is, how good God is, how important his sacrifice is for mankind, if one soul realizes that through my journey, it was worth every dollar spent on medical bills, every mile on the car, all the sick pay I've used for doctor's appointments, it was worth everything along the way if one soul finds how important Jesus is. And I'll leave you with this. God knows pain. So when you're in a wilderness of all kinds, God knows pain. It's not like he's just up there and just doesn't care. God knows pain. He sees every tear that falls. But the pain he experiences is every time you sin, as a righteous, holy God that created you to glorify him, it's agonizing. I can't speak for him. I'll never try to speak for him. But I know it causes him pain. He sent his son on the cross as a one-time sacrifice so we could live in heaven in eternity, which is exciting. Um, God knows pain because on that cross, he took away all of our sin for the remainder of all mankind. Only one time we get that sacrifice offered to you. It's a free gift. It doesn't cost you anything, but it costs you to repent. It's hard to do with pride in the way. God knows pain. So when you're in the wilderness, you're not alone. God's right there with you. Nothing happens to us as believers unless it goes through God first. And because of that, we can rest comfortably knowing he's in control of every detail along the way. As you've seen in my story, every detail, every detail. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you.